Blog Talk Radio. Smoke News Radio, episode number 10. This is uh, Jason Brodsky reading to you information from the New Delhi Times. Tonight we're going to be going from the Russian-Ukraine world all the way to Peru. So let's start in Russia and the New Delhi Times. This is uh, written by, by, I don't see their name, but there's this many people. This is Russia Advocates Strict Drug Control Policy. Russia and few countries like Canada are at a logger's head over the issue of cannabis and hold conflicting views on drug-related legislation. As per the United Nations Office on Drugs and Crimes, UNODC, World Drug Report 2019, Russia, along with the U.S. and China, was one of three countries that together accounted for 43% of injected drug use globally. Russia has identified the drug and crime policy as an area challenging the existing Western-dominated order and has strongly advocated a hard-line approach that seeks to eliminate the illegal drug market. On the other hand, the U.S. has softened its stance on drug policy since the last decade. Russia has taken hardline stance on drugs and has expressed its counter-narcotics vision in a number of multilateral forms. In addition, the Russian Federation has continued to be a relatively important donor to the UNODC. Russia ranks 15th among the major donors to the Special Purpose Fund in 2017. According to the UNODC's 2017 annual report, moreover, in 2010, Russia made a voluntary contribution of U.S. dollars $7 million to the UNODC. Russia has opposed the regularization of cannabis markets as it believes that it violates a number of the UN conventions. It may be recalled that in October 2018, a Russian statement on Twitter said that Canada's efforts to legalize pot will lead to an increase in international drug trafficking and contradicts existing treaties. The translated Russian testimonial reads, by consciously torpedoing the international drug control regime, the Canadian government is creating the largest drug market in the world that, despite all the claims and measures being considered to prevent the export of cannabis outside of national borders, will certainly raise considerable traffic to other states, including those which are strictly adhered to in the spirit and letter of the conventions mentioned. 
Canada provided a form of response to the Russian intervention when its permanent representative, Ambassador Heidi Ulan, clarified that policy shifts in Canada were a response to the country's domestic situation and were not intended to apply in other countries with their own distinctive challenges. In 2019, Russia sponsored the resolution supporting the International Narcotics Control Board in fulfilling its treaty-mandated role before the Commission on Narcotics Drugs, DND. A Russian delegate explained to the committee that this Russian resolution expressed deep concern about legislation of non-medicinal use of certain drugs in some regions, which represents a challenge to the universal implementation of the drug control conventions, a challenge to public health and well-being, particularly among young people, and a challenge to the state's parties to the conventions. Russia has been critical of Canada's marijuana legislation and believes Canada had opened a Pandora's box as cases of drug violation have started to multiply and this contravenes international law. This is from the New Delhi Times. Russia advocates strict drug control policy. This will be a fun one. While we're in Russia, let's just stop by for just a moment. And uh, hopefully they don't go through my bag. This is from com, a reprint of uh, somewhere, I'm not sure, but it's by Gabe Friedman. This is Israeli held in Russian jail for months on marijuana charge. An Israeli woman has been imprisoned for four months in Russia without being allowed to air her defense after nine grams of marijuana were found in her luggage. Namar Isachar denies the marijuana was hers. The Jerusalem Post reported that Ishikari's sister said the 25-year-old Israeli army veteran who was traveling back to Israel from a post-service trip in India is falling apart in prison. She has only been allowed a few family visits and phone calls and will not be allowed to make a trial statement through her defense attorney until September 3rd, according to the Post. She was detained in April. As Issachar was boarding her connecting flight from Moscow to Tel Aviv, Russian police told her denying the cannabis was hers, Issachar said she did not know how it got in her luggage bag. Her initial charge of possession of cannabis which entails a fine and a month of detention, was subsequently changed to narcotic smuggling 
which carries a possibility of three to ten years. The Shekhar's family has asked Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has cultivated a close relationship with Russian President Vladimir Putin to help us with his colleagues in the Russian government to remove Nava from the nightmare she has been under. So far, it's been complete silence, the uh, gold Ishikara's sister said about Netanyahu's response in an interview with I-24 News. All right. Okay, here. Always over morning news. Uh, Smoke News Radio, Jason Brodsky, bringing it forward for you. Let's uh, jump on down to the other side of the world where Peru has announced marijuana deregulation guidelines months, 15 months, after legalizing medical marijuana. This is from the Pot Network. This is, uh, it's a few months old on this. The uh, the most recent numbers are not in, but the, uh, more than a year after Peru's law, 30681 legalized medicinal marijuana, the Peruvian government announced regulations for legal medicinal cultivation use. Peru is one of the most prosperous countries in Latin America. Since the early aughts, it has maintained an average growth rate of 5.9%, largely fueled by local and foreign entities investing in Peru's mineral resources, strong trade deals with countries around the world, but particularly in Latin America. Since 2014, growth has slipped. While GDP continues to rise, investors are wary due to a few public scandals that delayed massive infrastructure projects. The price of natural resources has fallen considerably, making the economy as a whole less valuable. As their natural resource-based economy declines, cannabis has the potential to fill in these gaps. Following the footsteps of Colombia, Uruguay, and other Latin American countries, Peru legalized cannabis in 2017 to establish the right for individuals to use cannabis and its extractions for medicinal use. The initial initial legislation is short, appointing regulators within the government, establishing a license-based system to engage in cultivation and research, and most significant, defining what is considered medicinal use. When passed, the law did not provide details as to how these regulating bodies would operate and what the licenses would permit. In a turn from the typical in Latin American experience, the Peruvian government passed the initial law and allowed over a year for regulators and government agencies to draft the full legislation depicting the full details of the deregulation. What does the legislation contain? 
The new deregulation document is extensive. The Peruvian Times, who had the exclusive access to publish the legislation, summarized the legislation, the regulation as guidelines and procedures for research, farming and production limits, importation, and the marketing and sale of medical marijuana and its byproducts. It also outlines the procedures for medical prescriptions, including a registry of patients' users. A year in the making, legislation opens up the market for seed-to-patient life cycle for Peruvians, but also for other Latin American countries who currently only import CBD medicine. How will this impact the regional market? Peru's Minister of Health, Zulema Tomas is already considering the implications of such a comprehensive bill. The legislation indicates that labs at universities or at cannabis preparation sites can ask for authorization for commercialization of cannabis for national distribution and importation outside of Peru. International companies were already buying for a license. After the Peruvian government announced the new legislation, Plano Global Holdings Incorporated, a private Canadian horticultural medical cannabis firm, released a press release in which they announced that they had been working alongside Peru to craft the deregulation laws. Peruvian officials have been working with Plano Global Holdings Incorporated to ensure the country can benefit from an effective transition to a regulated industry. The extensive period of time between signing of the law legalizing medical cannabis and adoption of the regulatory framework ensures a thorough framework for industry operations was established. This legalization has the potential to influence other countries' attempts to build a deregulation framework. By partnering with firms that have already been part of a massive deregulation, like Plena in Canada, lawmakers have the opportunity to lean on experts, but also improve upon gaps and problems with the legislation that already exists. Plano will begin cultivating cannabis in 2019 and has been approved to build a processing facility, hiring medicinal experts to conduct research. It is not clear when the licenses will be issued, which has proved to be a source of uncertainty in past economic projects. With Plano gaining the first official partnership with Peru, the implication that licenses will be available with an application, more companies with stakes in Latin America will likely be investing in Peru soon. This was written by Jordan Shapiro. Peru announces marijuana deregulation guidelines 15 months after legalizing medical marijuana. This is from the Pot Network. Okay. Very nice, very nice. Here's from my usnews.com. This is by Simeon Tegel. 
medical marijuana spreads across South America. Lima, Peru. By most measures, the anti-narcotics rage was a raging success. After forcing their way into the apartment, police here in Peru's capital seized five kilograms, 11 pounds, of cannabis and equipment, including throw lights and fertilizer. The entire property of the leading district of San Miguel, overlooking the South Pacific, had been converted into an underground lab to produce significant quantities of the prohibited soft drug, a lab that the officers had to put out of action. However, when it comes to the law of unintended consequences, the operation in February 2017 may be hard to beat. It triggered a chain of events that has culminated with Peru one of Latin America's most conservative societies, enacting what is being hailed as arguably the region's most comprehensive medical marijuana law. The new law, passed in February, puts the Andean nation at the forefront of a growing trend south of the Rio Grande to legally embrace therapeutic and, in a growing number of cases, recreation. Oh. Cannibalist use. As it turns out, the San Miguel lab was not being run by organized criminals seeking to make a profit. Instead, it was the work of a group of desperate families, mainly mothers, producing cannabis for serious ill relatives, an often highly successful treatment option that was strictly prohibited by Peruvian law. The families had banded together to form a group called Buscando Esperanza, Spanish for Searching for Hope, aimed at both self-help and campaigning for change. In the days following the raid, Peruvian media gave the group highly sympathetic coverage, leading to a sea change in public opinion and paving the way for legal reform in the country's Congress, dominated by right-wing lawmakers. Earlier this year, the Congress approved Law 30681, which legalizes and regulates the cultivation, processing, importation, exportation, and commercialization of registered medical marijuana products. To participate, companies need to apply for licenses from Peru's Directorate General of Medicines, Supplies, and Drugs, the D-I-G-E-M-I-D. The legalization represents a breakthrough for searching for Hope's leader, Anna Alvarez, whose 19-year-old son, Anthony, has Lennox Gestalt Syndrome a severe form of epilepsy. She had been facing prosecution, along with the doctor providing medical advice to the group until a sympathetic judge shelved the case. A stroke of luck that was by no means guaranteed. Before she gave him drops of cannabis tincture, 
Anthony suffered up to 10 seizures a day, during which he often injured himself. Over the years, he had broken his arms, several teeth, cracked open his forehead, suffered a brain hematoma. He is full of scars, says Alvarez, 44, a dental technician. Now, Anthony has at most two seizures a day and often none, and they are much milder. It has changed his life and ours as a family. She says he is connected to reality again before he was there physically, but off in a world of his own. Now he can lead a dignified life. Among other benefits, Anthony is now, after years of being unable to adequately study, trying to graduate from high school. He attends a theater workshop to help with his socialization, something that would have been impossible without the tincture made by searching for hope. Nevertheless, Alvarez is worried by an important omission in Law 30681. It does not regulate or permit cultivation by users or their families. The law was meant to help us, but I'm worried that it could do the opposite, she says. We are not well off. How will we be able to afford this medicine if we can Chile passed the law in 2015, allowing the 
Lullaby 